Hello and welcome to the Moncast. A podcast where we watch Pokemon and Digimon in tandem and discuss the similarities and differences that they share. Your name's Sam. And your name's Stevie. And the score currently stands at 1615 to Pokemon. And this time we are watching episode 32, Gatomon Comes Calling and the Ninja Pokey Showdown. we're going straight to twitter as we usually do and at lonely distance asked is it bad that i look forward to at the moncast's bloopers just as much as i look forward to their show's content yes it is it's shameful that you listen to our failures and enjoy them how dare you i don't think so no i enjoy the bloopers they're great they are really fun and they're also really easy to put together so they replied to their own tweet saying the answer is no so it's perfectly okay. The thing is, if you listen to them, slowly but surely over time, you start to realise that I'm just an idiot who basically messes about, and you're the one who's the responsible adult. No, I think we both mess around equally. Okay, you're the one who does all the hard work, and I basically sit here and talk. You do do a lot of talking. I do. You do all the talking, and I throw in the bad jokes. I, I enjoy listening to the out- outtakes, because it's nice, because we're not serious people, and we don't have a serious podcast. It's just two people who like watching this show which we both enjoy and love and then there's pokemon i like pokemon as well i enjoy it but i didn't realize just how much filler there is then there's a lot of filler yeah it has its flaws definitely but so does digimon it's just we have more nostalgia for it well if you think that pokemon had a lot more budget than digimon did it's good to see digimon holding its own against pokemon it's definitely a pretty fair fight between them neither of them's running away with all the points but anyway yes it's perfectly fine to like our outtakes because it is just more of us basically i thought they'd get shorter over time but they're not they're getting longer because we're talking more and moving on atsukoda with a no pointed out that new york city is a city that is usually referred to with the word city in it you don't say i come from new york you say i come from new york city because there's a state called new york as well so yeah thanks for pointing that out because i couldn't think of any cities with city in the name that you usually have to say it's got to be more there probably are i don't think the same sort of situation would occur in pokemon it would be like i come from gringy city because there's a region called gringy that you might confuse it with I come from the Gringy region. And at Cuddle with a No also says, Sam dissing Ash was absolutely savage. I can't wait to hear what you say when Ash starts abandoning his human friends. I think I got annoyed because it was it Primeape. I think you compared Ash to Raremon calling him slimy garbage. Or it might be Muck. Yeah, he is. He is garbage. I mean, he, he makes new friends and then gets rid of them. Even with Muck, you know, he caught a new Pokemon and immediately got rid of it, even though there is space in his party to keep Muck. He does get rid of his Pokemon way too often. And you could say it's because the Pokeball smells. Okay, but if you know it's a smelly Pokemon, don't catch it. If you're not ready to deal with the responsibility of caring for a Pokemon, why have you got them? Because you gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all. He doesn't have to. He doesn't try to. It's his goal. He's just very bad at it. His goal is to find some sort of development, but he just can't seem to do it. No, his goal is to just be a constant in the show. He will never improve. He'll just always be there, being Ash, being an idiot. I think I'm going to be quite frustrated at the starts of new seasons when he basically resets. But he doesn't develop anyway in the first place. 
Yeah, but he's going to lose any development that he gets. It's just going to be exactly the same character, but meeting new people. With a new hat. It's only just dawning on me what the future seasons of Pokemon are going to be like, because they're not as different as Digimon are. It's going to be the same thing, but with a new hat and a new design style. And a new co. I can't wait till we meet not Brock and not Misty and the tiny child. Wonder what quirky characters we're going to meet along the way. I wonder if you'll ever reunite with any of them. Oh, goodness, no. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's what I'm going to keep telling myself. Anyway, also on Twitter, because we've been thinking about what specials we're going to do when we reach the end of this season, I ended up Googling Pokemon movies. And I noticed that Google, in the list of Pokemon movies, includes Digimon the movie. It's like the best Pokemon movie. It is. And at Drew Softman on Twitter, who's Andrew from Podigious, says that the thing that's wrong with the list is that Mewtwo Returns isn't even a movie, it's a special. And that everything else seems fine, and the last one on the list is the best. We have pretty much decided that we're going to cover movies as their own single specials as we like, reach the end of the seasons that they're in. Which doesn't mean we won't get to any Digimon movies till the end of the second series, but it'll be okay. We're going to do each movie as a standalone special so essentially we're going to end up with our main show where we watch the tv show and then there will be a series of you know maybe 20 something special episodes which are each and every movie because the pokemon movies there's 19 of them now and they just get so we're going to do we're going to have a set list of questions that we're going to ask ourselves for each movie and it doesn't matter if it's a pokemon movie or a digimon movie and then it'll be interesting to listen to them all and compare those together but we're not going to compare a film to another film because it won't be as good we won't be able to pay as much attention to that one film and it's going to be a long film you know that the, the pokemon movies are like an hour and something long and the digimon movie most of them aren't too long because they're like specials but then there are some which are you know an hour long or something like that so it'll be worth doing them by themselves give them the attention that they so desperately want yeah i'm looking forward to what we're going to do in between there'll be an interesting little sort of diversion from the usual formula before we then jump right back in we did the math earlier um we get to the end of adventure digimon adventure and there's something like 64 episodes of pokemon left before they get to johto so we're going to do a lot of thinking and number crunching and work out what exactly we're going to do at the end because we didn't really think this through because it was something that we were going to do in the distant future and now we're over halfway through and now it's dawning on us that we actually have to find whatever we're going to do after we have to plan and prepare which i do not do as stevie knows painfully well anyway that's everything on twitter and i think that's every message we've actually had but i do want to say well done to us we've done 10 episodes in a row out on time yay round of applause us pat yourself on the back we're doing it it helps that on my end i know i just i literally just said that i don't do any preparations or anything or planning but i do have everything i need to edit my end of the episode all in one folder all in an order so i know exactly how to do it and get it down so it doesn't become such an ordeal on my end because i have so very little time to myself but i have to carefully think out like do i have time to do this today do i have to do this today because tomorrow i might be busy so i've been well organized and got it done in time it's been good. I mean, after we had feedback, it was only a little bit of feedback, but we've had enough feedback to change what we've done enough so that it, it makes more sense. And I do think the one thing that we definitely needed to do was have set release days, and it has really helped. Well, we had set release days before. It's just that I was bad at keeping up with them. Two episodes a week is kind of a lot of work. It's probably somewhere in the region of 15 hours a week, which is actually quite a lot of time. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it's fun. 
it's worth it. Yep, that was the thing. That was the administration. And if you want to message us, you can via our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, with the World Thread, and email, which are all linked in the show notes. So we can talk about them in administration next time. The first episode we are watching this time is Gatomon Comes Calling. As Myotismon lurks around Japan giving women anemia, the kids meet up to discuss plans and tactics. They decide to split up and search for the eighth child on foot, all except for Joe, who stays home calling all the kids who are at Hyden View Terrace at the same time the battle between Parrotmon and Greymon happened. Meanwhile, Kari invited Gatomon to her house so that plot can happen and we can all get frustrated about how obvious it is that she is the eighth child. Mimi and Sora are searching around when they decide to look at the top of Tokyo Tower because somehow that will help. Whilst they are up there, they are attacked by Skull Merrimon because the writers realise that no action has happened in this episode yet. Ty appears to hog all the limelight and the episode ends just as abruptly as it starts with nothing really achieved and nothing really gained. So it starts off with Myotismon doing things. Starts off with weird, is it a harpsichord? It's like a small piano, but slightly more tinny, if that makes sense. I have no idea if it was a harpsichord. It sounds like a harpsichord or something like that, and it's got fog and everything, and it's all atmospheric. Myotismon comes in and rides up to this woman in his carriage and just bites into her neck. Because why not? Because he's a vampire. He's never done it before, though. You've never seen him attack a Digimon in the digital world, so why, why is he doing it here? He says it's harder to get blood in the real world, or to get a good meal or something. So I'm assuming he used to drink blood from massive Digimon back in the digital world. But Digimon don't have blood. Have you got any evidence to prove that? Digimon don't bleed. Have we seen a Digimon be cut? Mm-hmm. When? In most fights, they're being beaten up. I've never seen a drop of Digimon blood. They could still have blood inside them. I don't think they do. I think they're ones and zeros. Digital blood. I don't think that's a thing, though. We have to assume it is a thing, based on this opening. Otherwise, my Otis mom would have starved. It is a weird thing that they've added in, and I don't quite get it. I think the thing, the problem with Myotis One's plans and everything like this is that it doesn't. we're not really given the mechanics to things. For example, in the last episode, I was complaining about the crests responding to the Digivice and not the child itself, and I thought that was really weird, but it's things like that that don't really make sense. Like, I don't get why he needs to go and feed off of humans. Because he's a vampire. Do you think it is that, like, it doesn't really change anything, but he believes that he's this vampire, and he has to fill this specific role? Probably needs food of some kind, so it might as well be blood. Because he's a vampire. Maybe he is made of data of shows and information about vampires so he acts accordingly from the data that he's made of what you think he is twilight incarnate not necessarily twilight but let's say that he's made of the data from wikipedia about vampires he's just the wikipedia article and he learns that vampires feed off of blood and they usually entice women and drain their blood maybe he acts the way he does because that's what's coded into him because of that information that he's made of it's weird how he just manages to entice women, though. He just pulls up in a carriage and parks next to them and they don't react. If someone drove up to me in a carriage, I would not just stand still and let them bite into my neck. Whoever you are, if it's foggy and this Victorian carriage rolls up next to you and the door opens and there's what appears to be a man with the tiniest little thin arms and legs 
with giant hands and a tiny head and huge feet and weird shoulder pad things comes out you'd be like um i'm not sure what's happening here but it's really not halloween so what's going on and then they're like oh come here i want to embrace you uh, no thank you no 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 my just one looks weird he isn't quite human because he's a digimon so that makes sense it's almost like i want to say uncanny valley but that's not quite he doesn't look that human he's humanoid he's just kind of creepy not evil or actually scary just creepy and weird i've got to say though i was looking at his design but i i think his design's quite interesting i think it looks quite cool he's got a weird jack skellington style bat bow tie thing going on it is kind of just cliche vampire though but it matches his personality. He's so dramatic and, and cliche, then he can have this dramatic cliche outfit. Yeah, it suits him. So then he's talking to Gatomon, is it? I think it's Gatomon. Or it's Demi Devimon, one of the two. And he's saying that we are looking for the eighth child. The details are of no concern to you. And they kind of are. If if you have a plan and the people involved with the plan don't know the plan, it's not really a good plan. Well, he's already explained the plan once. Twice even. Maybe three times in the past few episodes. I feel like maybe if he just turned into bats and the bats all took a crest and they went over in a straight line over Japan, they could quite easily find the child, but no. Well, they could find the Digivice. Oh, yeah, they've got to find the Digivice because that's what the crest actually tracks, not the actual child. But anyway, Gatamon and Demidevimon then both set off to try and find the eighth child. And there's this sort of rivalry between them to be Myotismon's favourite. And I think it's quite clear that Gatomon is Myotismon's favourite. I think the Gatomon has been more competent than Devimon. So they both set off and Gatomon's just like, Demi Devimon sucks. And then it cuts to... Is it Kari? I think it cuts to Ty looking through his books to try and find the address book. Ty knocks everything off the shelf, which is why Kari walks in, because loud noises. Well, my note that I've got is that uh, the Digimon are in the news now because they're mentioning... They have surprisingly good shots of Raymond, though. Like, they must have been standing there on the dock at the time, with the camera set up, waiting. So, we now know that the Digimon are in the news, which is kind of cool, maybe? Humans are now aware of Digimon's existence. That they need to go and meet up with everybody else, and then Agumon needs a, dis- uh, a disguise. And it's Agumon in a hoodie, and I have drawn a couple weeks ago. I did some sketches at, like, four in the morning, because it was my day off and I didn't know what to do. And I remember Agumon wore a hoodie, and I drew I drew Agumon in a hoodie, and it's cute. I think Agumon in a hoodie is cute. It is cute. It's not the best disguise. Yeah, it is. Most adorable. He's still got his yellow snout just pointing out of it. It's the most adorable disguise, and I will fight you for it. But it's not that effective. I don't care. It's cute. I think Tentamon's disguise is cooler. Actually, Agumon's kind of lazy. He's just stuck a hoodie on. Yeah, at least Tentamon's got a hat as well. The hat really completes the outfit. So, Ty and Izzy and everyone else all bring their Digimon to the park so they can all meet up and work out how they're going to approach this task of finding the eighth child. The thing is, like, Ty's literally mentioning to everybody how him and Kari were the only ones able to see the Digimon before when they went back to the real world for a bit. So that's just, like, another bit of painfully obvious information. Like, the amount of time uh, Ty has mentioned how Kari's done this and Kari's done that. It's like, it's, it's clearly her. Nobody else has got a name in this show. No, not really. You know who the eighth child is? It's 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 Mimi's brother. I reckon it's Miko. A cat cannot be a child. I disagree. No, okay. I want to hear. I want. I want to hear. If it is a young cat, it can still be a child. Plus, it had the Digivice. It seemed really attached to that Digivice. I think that Miko was the eighth child all along. It's not the eighth child. That's that's ridiculous. 
When did they say that the child had to be human? Miko could have seen the battle, maybe. Miko met Koro, man. Oh my god, Miko is the eighth child. So your theory is that Kari is a mistake and Miko is actually the eighth digidestin? Yes, the Kamiya family cat is actually the eighth child. Whose partner is also a cat. It makes perfect sense. That's weird. It has all the same connections. It works perfectly. In fact, Miko has been more attached to this digivice than Kari has. So, there, I solved it. Congratulations, you solved the mystery of the actual true eighth digidestin child. Kari was just a diversion. So yeah, they carry on with this futile effort to find anyone that isn't Kari. They meet up in the park, and then Izzy has a theory, and then Joe is just running up to them because he really wants to hear the theory. I think that's kind of cute. Like, it's, it's cool that Joe is genuinely interested in, in what Izzy has to say. Yeah, I really enjoyed that moment. It's like, wait, I want to hear the theory. Because normally they just ignore Izzy and whatever Izzy says, but it's, it's nice to see them show some development and then to actually value what Izzy has to say. I just found it more funny that he instinctively knew that Izzy would have a theory because Izzy's that predictable. So yeah, they decide to all split off and look for clues. Except Joe who wants to go home and study because he's got important exams. And then Matt is an ass and says that Joe is chickening out and he's, he's not chickening out, he's got studies. And to be honest, there's six other kids who can look for the child. It makes sense if one of them stays at home and does the thing that they need to do, which is to call all the kids. But no, Matt's like, oh, you're being such a trick and not doing the thing. And it's like, well, you can all do the thing. There's enough kids here to do the thing. I'm going to do the other thing we need to do, because Matt's an ass. And this method of searching around all the locations for the child doesn't work, because we see Sora with the map crossing off locations. But that only makes sense if the eighth child is stuck in one single place and cannot move. I think the best thing that they could do to find the eighth child would be to go at night time when most kids are going to be asleep. Do you think the eighth child's nocturnal? Maybe because it's a cat? No, because if that child is sleeping in a bed, they are stationary. But that involves lingering outside people's houses. They've got flying Digimon. They could fly over different buildings. They have to fly very low. Still better than the daytime where all the kids are running around or at school or doing whatever they're doing. I think it's a bit creepy and also risky to take the big Digimon that the media is currently focusing on and fly them around the city. Just have like Tentamon and Beamon and Patamon and the other flying ones or if any of them fly. Just have them hold the Digivices and fly around a building because if all the kids are asleep then they know that those kids are always going to be in the same location every night. It makes a lot more sense for them to do it where the kids are stationary than for all the kids to be running around. Really? It's hard for them to come up with a good plan when they only have seven digivices. Well, they are looking for a needle in a haystack. They could have at least split up into single people instead of groups of two like they do. So they're looking and I think, is it Matt and TK are looking and then a wave of generic looking kids run past? And then surely they're not digidestined. A, they look too plain because none of them have gloves and they are clearly not protagonists. And B, they're really poorly animated as well. Do you know who was pretty well animated, I thought? Who? Miko the cat. Does Miko have a collar as well? That could be taken as an outfit. Maybe. It's all adding up. My theory is just becoming more and more valid. Well, all I know is that in the last episode, Miko ended up going to like a completely different place in a lorry. And somehow now it's back and is now running away from Kari, who walks past Gatomon and then looks at Gatomon and is in like two seconds, just calls her out. And it's like, that's quite clearly a Digimon. Are you a friend of Agumon? It's like, how? How would you assume this? Because the cat's wearing gloves. It's a protagonist. It's got gloves. You don't see white cats with purple patterns very often. It's quite clearly a 
not a normal cat, <laughs> no matter how much Gatamon pretends to be one. So she sees Gatamon, she's like, yeah, you're a Digimon. I'm going home, you can come with me if you'd like to, because you're quite clearly following me. Which I think is cute, it just shows that Kari is quite open and honest and accepting. She's like, I can see you following me, you can, you can come in and hang out if you want. She just likes animals. She's nice. And Gatamon's just like, could this be the eighth child? Or just like, ding, 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 you got it. First try. Well done, Gatamon. Gatamon is smarter than all seven Digidestin put together. Then the plot is happening elsewhere. If that, if you can call it a plot, so little happens in this episode. Mimi and Sora have decided that in order to look somewhere, to get a better vantage point, they need to go to the top of a tower to look for the kid. That doesn't make sense, but okay. And Mimi is offended by this fashion faux pas of a person wearing a trench coat in the summer heat. Gatomon and Kari is the best part of this episode. And then there's just this other plot happening on the side, which is they're looking and then also there's Skull Merriman. I like Skull Merriman. He's a cool Digimon. Skull Merriman is great. I remember when I was younger and I played the Digimon card game, I bought a booster pack and it had Boltmon in it. And I thought it was so good because it evolved from Skull Merriman. It is just a really good evil Digimon design. It's a dude with a metal face. And blue fire, which is scientifically accurate because that means it's hotter. Also, well done on the three-second evolution from Agumon to Greymon. That was quite good. Shame it was followed instantly by Hey Digimon. Yeah, Hey Digimon's there. Was that in the last episode? During the Kobutarimon Raymon fight? Because I don't remember it. Yeah, it was when they were flying away. Oh. So it has been in every episode still. That's sad. You know what else was sad? There's really bad animation, and it's before Greymon evolves. There's a shot of Greymon jumping into the air, and then they kind of rotate the shot of Greymon and shrink it slightly. And then Izzy says, uh, Greymon needs to evolve again. And then it does, because why not? Surely that's the thing they can control now, anytime they want to. Well, yeah, they've sort of unlocked the ultimate evolution. Plus, Metal Greymon is, like, the easiest one, because he's done it plenty times now. Whenever they need a, an ultimate level. But anyway, there's this four-way battle raging on between Metal Greymon, Skullmerrimon, Togemon and Birdmon. Oh, and also Kabutarimon, who just sort of turns up to fix the tower. I think Togemon's the best, because Togemon just gets set on fire. She also runs up behind Skullmerrimon and just, like, quick-speed jamming or something. Yeah, which is not a move. It's basically just, I'm going to punch you really fast. We also get to see boob missiles again. Aren't Metal Greymon's boob missiles normally like an orangey pink? No. I'm pretty sure they're like an orangey pink colour. No, those were Andromon's. There's so many fish boob missile things. Yeah, Andromon has different fish boob missiles. Unless you're Skull Greymon, which has spine fish missile. Yeah, which is like light green and orange. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty good fight. There's a lot going on. It was okay. It's one of the most exciting fights I think we've had. It's also like one of the most token fights. It didn't need to happen in this episode, but they just had to stick a fight in there. Well, Skull Merriman has been hinted at in previous episodes and he's finally found them. I suppose, yeah. It's just picking off Myotismon's minions one at a time. Literally, it's just like one every episode gets taken down. It, it's literally Monster of the Week. But I enjoyed the fight. It was cool. They did some interesting stuff like uh, Metal Greymon using its claw thing and then getting caught with the chains. And it was interesting how they had to think about looking after the landmark as well and trying to prevent damage across the city because it just adds another priority in the battle other than just kill the thing. So once they just murder Skull Maramon, it cuts back to Gatamon and Kari and Gatamon's leaving and it's kind of cute. It's cute to see them both together and I also didn't realise how small Gatamon is. Well, before that, Gatamon almost kills Kari. 
Oh yeah, I suppose that happens. Gatamon sneaks up right behind Kari and before she basically decapitates her, Kari just turns around and surprises her so that she falls off the back of the couch. Which is cute. I mean, she has defeated all the other Digidestin at champion level, so she's quite a powerful Digimon. And then there's just this child who she can't even kill. Gatamon is quite cute, really, even though she tries to put this front on. This sultry cat voice. She'd lost a nerve in that moment. And then the episode ends because we don't know. It just happened. The cliffhanger is Gatamon didn't kill Kari. <gasps> Why? Is it because well, Kari is important for the plot? I don't know who the 8th Digidestined child is yet. I still think it's Miko. I think the 8th child's Gatomon. No, that doesn't make sense. Miko at least has some evidence behind it. What was your favourite thing? Mine was Skull Merrimon because it's a big bad guy. And I like the whole chains and fire combination that it has going on. It's cool. It's really cool. It's got weird... Trousers with flames. Not much else to say about him. He was a good villain. I think it made for a good dynamic fight against him. Mine was Gatomon because cat stuff. I don't think she's ever been quite as cat-like as she has in this episode. There's a lot of her walking on her all fours and being a cat and stuff. And it's adorable to see her with Kari because she's out of her depth. She knows how to fight and defeat giant Digimon and be evil and plan things. But then when there's a child who's nice to her, she's just completely out of her depth, which I think is adorable. And she just straight up says, meow, all the time. In the most unbelievable way. Like, I think my favourite bit is when Kari's home and she just turns and says, you can come in if you want. I know you're following me. And it just cuts to Gatamon and she's freaking out like, what? No, my super stealthy skills failed me. Meow, meow. Oh, sorry, I turned into a cat for a second now. Overall thoughts? I thought it was a pretty good episode. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, nothing really happened. That seems to be the theme in this arc, is not much plot actually happens. I think the search gets dragged out for far too long. But there's still something enjoyable about, about each of the episodes. I like the Kari and Gatamon stuff. It's quite nice to see them meeting, because the only other time we've ever seen Digimon meeting their partners is in the first episode, and that was just a case of they woke up and there they were. Wait, Gatamon is Kari's partner? It's not a spoiler. It can't be a spoiler. It's in the um, ending sequence and stuff, and also they've mentioned it several times. It's been heavily hinted at, so it's not a surprise. Has it actually been hinted at that much that Gatamon is Kari's? Because I don't think it has been. It's not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler, but I don't think the show itself has actually made it clear that Gatamon is going to be Kari's partner. Okay, no, I think they've been. I think they've been quite sneaky with that. I think they've they've covered that up quite well. Right, this is the first sort of allusion to it. So this arc so far has been lacking in plot, but has been pretty full with character moments and development. But full of heart, or whatever. The second episode we're watching is The Ninja Pokey Showdown. Ash and Co. are lost, as usual, and stumble across a mansion in the middle of the forest. They chase after a Venonat inside, and keep running into a variety of different booby traps for our amusement. Eventually, they catch up with a Venonat that belongs to a ninja woman that I've forgotten the name of, and Ash challenges her to a battle. He wins using Bulbasaur somehow, and then the woman's older brother that I've also forgotten the name of steps forward and announces that he is the gym leader of Fusha Gym. Battle commences and Ash puts up a strong fight until Team Rocket interrupts and ruins everything. Psyduck elects himself as Misty's Pokemon for the battle and proceeds to fail to do anything to Arbok and Weezing, until eventually his headache becomes so severe that his psychic abilities overflow and take out Team Rocket with ease. Ash isn't given the gym badge since someone else saved the gym for once, and instead beats the gym leader legitimately to earn his sixth gym badge fair and square. First of all, the name sucks. 
the Ninja Pokey Showdown. There are no Ninja Pokemon. Not in this generation, anyway. There are Ninja Pokemon, but not in this episode. Oh, look, they're in a forest, and oh, look, they're lost. And then Misty gets a bit of hate off me this time, because Misty's sat looking at Psyduck, and Brock is brushing Vulpix, being all like, oh, look how amazing my Vulpix is. And then Misty openly offers to trade Psyduck in front of Psyduck. I know, it's so mean. That's brutal. Imagine being Psyduck and just hearing Misty go, oh, this Psyduck's useless. I'll trade it for any of your Pokemon. It's like if I were to invite you to a Skype call with me and someone else and I was asking this other person to be my new co-host in front of you. I'd get a headache and then, I don't know, psychic things happen. You'd kill me via Skype call. Back on the Pokemon. It's a really nice house they find. It's a really nice house full of booby traps. Like a secret wall. All sorts of secrets. Like Voltorbs in the floor. Which you would notice. Yeah, I think you would notice. (laughs) But Ash gets shocked and blames Pikachu. Okay, so we've got to go back a bit. So the house they find is the Future City Gym, but it doesn't have any sign that it's the Future City Gym. Also, it's not in Future City. It's just in a forest. I think this is the second mansion that they found in a weird place as well. Probably. The last one was on a skyscraper, and this one's now in the middle of the forest. They go and they meet Vananat, who has got these, this painful voice. Yeah, it goes right through me. It's also echoey and scratchy and tinny. It's weird. Kind of robotic. It's just really high-pitched. So they're chasing this Venonat around this this mansion, and Ash gets shot by a Voltorb and blames Pikachu. And then Ash decides to use his Pokedex, and it says Voltorb. The the identity of this creature is unknown. It's like, no, it's quite clearly a Voltorb. Maybe it means the gender identity. Does it have one? It's just a ball. I'm going to look up now Voltorb or genderless. Yeah, Voltorb is a genderless Pokemon. It only just occurred to me that gender really is the wrong word. Like, the word should be sex. Like, what is the Pokemon's sex? Because they can identify as the opposite gender to what the sex they are, probably. I suppose that means that we have to infer our ideas of gender upon a Pokemon. I wonder if there are transgender Pokemon. It's a really interesting concept because a lot of the differences with a Pokemon's gender would be the traits that they gain from being one specific one. Normally it's things like their antenna or their horns or their wings being bigger or different shapes. Yeah, it's only really appearances that change. The most striking ones are things like Meowstic. Jellicent is quite different as well. Entirely different. Or there's uh, Volbeat and Illumis. Why have there been no stories about Pokemon with gender dysphoria? Because Pokemon's not that progressive. Can we have fanfiction about that please i would happily write fan fiction about pokemon who are not cisgendered it probably exists somewhere already because everything exists on the internet i already feel like pikachu has anxieties about his weight because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's on some sort of diet because from season one to the newest season gets so thin so you think pikachu's anorexic yeah yeah that was a diversion based on voltorb having no identity they continue chasing this venonat round this mansion and run into a glass wall which is an invisible wall it's not it's just glass and they turn around to go back where they came and there's another invisible wall so ash leans against a wall and then the wall falls and then there's just a cliff and ash could legitimately die there and i'm like okay that's really dangerous i don't get why these gyms feel like they can just potentially murder people would it be that much of a loss if ash died i can't say yes because then we wouldn't have a show well, I mean, Pikachu doesn't seem that sad. Pikachu's done with all this. Pikachu's just like, oh, oh well, that's a shame. <laughs> they all think he's dead and they're just sort of like, oh no, Ash is dead. So Ash survives this almost drop to death, to his death. And then he gets throwing stars thrown at him. 
And then I'm pretty sure that's Jesse. Yeah, it sounds like Jesse for a second. I was like, Team Rocket are in this already? When did this happen? It's probably the same voice actress. So it's this woman who I, I can't remember their name as well. It doesn't matter. They're not even the main gym leader. All you need to know is they are the pink Power Ranger. Misty does have a valid point saying, isn't that colour a little bright for a ninja? Well, ninjas are so sneaky anyway that they don't get spotted at all. So the colour doesn't matter. But what you need to know is that this ninja is a, is a girl, so they have to have the pink. This is the 90s. Girl ninjas wear pink. Boy ninjas wear navy blue or purple or whatever color Koga's was. Wait, do you know what the main gym leader's name is? Because I don't. It's, it's Koga. Okay. Gets mentioned a couple times, but it's also not that important. So, girl ninja and Ash have a fight. I say, like, in my notes, I'm like, Ash should choose Charmander. He should really choose Charmander, because Venonat's a bug type. No, he gets Bulbasaur. Bug is strong against grass. Ah, she is an idiot. So they're battling with Bulbasaur and Venonat, and Bulbasaur uses Whirlwind. Yeah, it does. Bulbasaur uses Whirlwind, which you can't learn. It's a very special Bulbasaur. It is. It, it can learn special moves. It's a Bulbasaur with an identity crisis. It wants to be Pidgeotto. <laughs> it thinks it's a flying type. I tried to stop questioning it once it happened. I was just like, ah, fine. Do what you want, <laughs> Pokemon. Did Venonat use Psybeam? Yes, it did. Psybeam is powerful against poison, of which Bulbasaur is. Gets confused and almost knocked out, I think. But yeah, so Bulbasaur was a bad choice to make against Venonat. Never. So Ash has clearly not learnt anything. Still. We're still waiting, Ash. <laughs> Are you ever going to learn anything? So then it uses Leech Seed, which is like a really overpowered move, compared to in-game Leech Seed, which just takes a little bit of health and gives it to you every turn. Unless it completely paralyzes them, basically, and drains them completely. Girl Ninja loses, and then Boy Ninja appears, and it's the gym leader, because why not? Because they couldn't really send him to another city, so they were like, yeah, we're just in the middle of a forest, let's just have the gym, and also the ninja, there we go. And then 10 minutes into the episode, and it's like, that's when you first see Team Rocket looking at the mansion, saying how, like, there's loads of poison Pokemon in there. And I mean, Jesse has a point, they both have poison-type Pokemon, so it seems to be their specialty. So then... Koga challenges Ash to a battle because they're not allowed to leave until he fights him. Because that's how that works. So he uses Venonat and Ash uses Pidgeotto. Pidgeotto should win because of the flying type. And then we get another case of just evolve now. This is the second battle that has been against a gym leader and a Pokemon has just used okay, I'm going to evolve now for, for plot reasons. Venonat evolves from levelling up, doesn't it? Abra also evolves from levelling up. It might be excusable if they could use a stone to do it, but none of these Pokemon need a stone to evolve. It doesn't prove anything. Like, it, he, he calls out Venonat, and then before the match even starts, it evolves. It makes no sense. It looks cool, maybe. So they're fighting, and Venomoth uses... Oh, by the way, Venomoth happens, and Venomoth's amazing. Venomoth is disgusting. Venomoth is cute. Venomoth is disgusting. No, it's not. It's a cute Pokemon. I really like Venomoth. Venomoth is disgusting. It's not. Venomoth is disgusting in comparison to Butterfree. It has eyes, as which Butterfree doesn't. It has compound eyes. Venomoth is disgusting. It's not. Venomoth is disgusting. It's a cute Pokemon, and I really like it. I think it's really cute. It's not cute. It is. It's disgusting. It's not. I'm going to keep saying it. You can keep saying it, but I, I think Venomoth's really cute. Well, I think Venomoth is really disgusting. <laughs> Venomoth is using Stun Spore, and Pidgeotto blows it away using a legitimate wind move that isn't just Whirlwind, because Bulbasaur can learn Whirlwind. And then the Stun Spore like, keeps going, but that's not how spores work. It goes in the direction of the wind, so if the wind is blowing away from Pidgeotto, using more spores will not push it through the wind being blown at it. Yeah, but then after Pidgeotto gets knocked out, 
Charmander then just burns up all the spores, and I don't know if that would work either. So I don't think physics applies that much. That could work, because them being flammable. Well, it sends the flamethrower right through the middle of them, and it sort of disperses them, and then they disappear. Well, it wouldn't disperse, it would be, they would be burnt up. But it only burns like one hole, and then the rest of them disappears. Because plot. But it's okay, because Team Rocket appear. To interrupt, as usual. And they're doing a bit, and they always commit to the bit, and it was quite good. It was so slow, though. The bit is like, they are supposed to be traditional ninja people or something. So they just do the motto slightly slower. But it's cool, it looks pretty cool. It sort of dragged on. Like It wasn't that different to the main motto for it to be any funnier. Like It's the first time that I've heard the motto and just been like, eh, I don't care. Like Even if it's just the standard, at least it's not slow. It's a shame, because I usually like Team Rocket, but in this episode, they're just, they are just there to waste time. But yeah, they get attacked by the Pokemon, and apparently Jesse and James are Spider-Man. They can launch Sticky Web from their hands. Which is weird and doesn't make sense. Like, they don't explain what it is. It's the latest invention. So Charmander and Pikachu and everyone are all wrapped up in this weird sticky web. And Misty getting annoyed at Psyduck is great because she doesn't even know what attack Psyduck can do. So it's like the Pokedex is listing Psyduck's moves. So it's like, Tail Whip. okay, use Tail Whip and nothing really happens. Okay, use Scratch and then Arbok just bites onto Psyduck's head and it's great. Koga does a thing where he pulls a lever and well, pulls a rope and loads of Voltorb fall down and explode. And then that doesn't make sense because like one explodes, they fall into the slanty room and Team Rocket appear with a, basically like a bag full of Voltorb. So basically Koga gave them the Voltorb to use against them. Yeah, like they capture most of the Voltorb in the sticky web. So the Voltorb plan kind of sucked. Yeah, it wasn't very effective. Just made the situation worse. What have explosive ninja Pokeball monsters got to do with ninjas? Ah, uh, smoke bombs. Seems like a stretch. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. Also flashbangs. Ninjas would have flashbangs which are like tiny bombs like um, the size of like marbles that you'd throw and they flash and then you can hide whilst the opponent's blinded or whatever. Seems like a waste of a Pokemon, especially when it's so big as well. It's fine. It's for the plot. But yes, they fall through the floor into a slanted room. It's slightly slanted. Slightly slanted to disorientate their foes. It's okay, but that only really works if they're stood sideways, like if they're stood at the slanted position. If they're facing towards or against the slant, it just it's like they're on a slope and that won't really disorientate you. It's just a dumb idea. <laughs> Plus, why would it only work against the foes? Surely it would just have the same effect on you as well. Yeah, but you're a ninja and you can you can customize uh, you can acclimatize yourself to the slant. Since when are Ash and Co ninjas? I don't know. It's a dumb room, but it's left to Psyduck to fight. And Misty feels sorry for Psyduck, which I think was kind of cute. Well, she should feel sorry. He's a good Pokemon. I like Psyduck in this episode. Yeah, Psyduck's great. Psyduck just decides that he's going to be the one to fight. Misty tries to choose other Pokemon, but Psyduck just jumps out the Pokeball anyway, because it can do that for some reason. He gets really cool psychic powers and essentially blasts Team Rocket off by himself. And then Misty gets a gym badge. No, she doesn't. She should. She should, because that's how Ash has won two badges already. Yeah, it's only two badges that he's won by saving the gym from Team Rocket. But Misty should get one. But no, what she does get is she gets the gym leader offering to trade his most powerful Pokemon for Psyduck. Who isn't a poison Pokemon and couldn't be used in the gym anyway. <laughs> so the poison gym leader wants to trade his most powerful poison Pokemon for a Psyduck. A water type. But she has a newfound appreciation for her Psyduck. She does. And I've got a note under here and... I can't remember the context from it, but it just says a woman's heart can be a very fickle thing. That's so rude, Brock. I know Brock says it about Misty. Yeah, Brock says it about Misty because Ash points out that at the start of the episode, Misty was trying to trade away Psyduck. 
Yeah, I was like, go away, Brock. Why have you got to say an awful thing about, about Misty? Or about women in general? That women's hearts are fickle things. It's like, oh, oh, they're not. No, it's not. She just learned to appreciate Psyduck because Psyduck showed the potential that he has. At least she, she didn't, you know, use a rock-type Pokemon in a fighting-type tournament that would easily lose. But then it goes to a new gym battle between Ash and Koga, and it's uh, Golbat against Charmander. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Venomoth again, but it's not. It's Golbat, which makes more sense, because in the games he also has a Golbat. And to be fair, it was a pretty legit battle. Yeah, it was. Not much else to say. It was a battle that happened. It was good. It did the things it needed to do. Ash won the badge and got the badge, and then that was the end of the episode. Yeah, I'm just glad he won it properly for once. I expected him to get the gym badge when Misty saved the day. Could you imagine? Oh, thank you so much for saving us. Here, Ash, you can have this badge. And Misty's like, he didn't do anything! But he still gets the badge. Why? Why does he get the badge? What's your favourite thing in this episode? Psyduck. I agree. Because it's this dumb Pokemon who doesn't know anything and, and has no idea what's going on. But then, if he gets abused enough, it gets powers. <laughs> he just starts freaking out. That's such an awful ability. If you physically assault me enough, I get enough like mental pain that I unleash powers. Yeah, you just have to stress me out to the point where I'm about to break down. <laughs> Give me the most painful headache and make me panic so much and hurt me that much physically and mentally that I just unlock my powers. It's like, that's awful. That's an awful Pokemon. I feel really sorry for Psyduck now. It's great though because he's such a wild card every time he comes out. I can now see Misty just trying to use him again and him completely failing. Which will be funny. What was your favourite thing? Yeah, it was Psyduck. Oh, good. Because it's the best. Are you sure it's not Venomoth? No, because Venomoth is disgusting. Venomoth's not disgusting. I'm standing by that opinion. Overall thoughts? It was a pretty enjoyable gym episode. Yeah, I quite liked it. It had some, some cool things. It had the Trap House, which was interesting. We've not had that before. There was the Battle Against Koga. It was cool. Team Rocket was eh this time, and it was pretty token, but... At least it led to some good things with Psyduck. It was good to see Psyduck actually use its powers. It was a good episode, and I'm glad Ash won it legitimately for once, even though it was still a bit annoying that his battle got interrupted in the first place. Now it's time for Mono A Mono, where we talk about the similarities and differences in these episodes. So let's start with our Monsters of the Week. Mine's Venomoth. Elaborate. I'm joking, it's Skullmerimon. It's really cool. I like the design. It's it's just a dude with blue hair and, and a metal face. What appears to be leather trousers with flames on the sides and also chains. It's quite a busy design. But it's also good. Like it's it's it doesn't look like a Digimon, but it it's cool. Yeah, it's got enough to it to make it interesting without just being overly complicated. Basically Ghost Rider. Pretty much. It's a cool Digimon, though. Makes sense for them to have him in their army, because he can blend in more than uh, most Digimon can. My monster of the week is Gatomon, because she's a cute cat Digimon that tries to be scary and intimidating, but she's just adorable instead. And she can't hurt Kari. Like, she tries and almost succeeds, but she just loses the nerve instantly. Plus, she just tries to pretend to be a cat and fails at it, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't even look like a cat, like you've said. She's got the, the gloves and the tail ring and the ears... And the purple. She's got a whole lot about her that isn't cat-like. Like, the only thing really cat-like is a shape. Even then, that's questionable. She's got four legs and a tail and cat ears. She's pretty much a cat, just with really bad colours and gloves. I liked her in the episode, and her little side thing with Kari that was going on while the token fights were happening. That was the more interesting part of this episode, was the, the bits Kari and Gatamon. Everything else was just, we already know what they're doing, and they're doing the thing that they said they're going to do. It's just sort of there, because the arc has to keep moving. 
And we don't care about the overarching plot at all, really. We'll get to the end of it and we'll just be like, okay, it's over and done with, now we can move on to better things. The only good thing to come out of this has been character development. Anyway, which episode do you think had the best storyline? Pokemon. Because Digimon didn't have any plot, really. Again, not much was accomplished by Digimon. I mean, Pokemon had, like, Ash got a badge. We saw Psyduck unleash its powers. We've seen a new place with some traps and stuff, and it was kind of cool. Yeah, whereas in Digimon, all that's really been accomplished is Gatamon's found Kari, and the kids have started searching and not found anything. That's all that they accomplished. Any similarities? There were fire attacks. There were also buildings being damaged, floors being slanted, and I, I quite liked the battles in both of the episodes. Couldn't we find a theme? I have got, I think the best thing I've got was that there were people in disguises maybe that's a thing because we've got ninjas and then also digimon in clothes it's about as close as i can get to a theme yeah there just isn't that much in common apart from arbitrary things so which episode did you enjoy the most it's a tough choice i'm honestly happy to give it to either of them i enjoyed both of the episodes i probably did enjoy pokemon slightly more though yeah it, it did some good stuff digimon just felt a bit empty it was still good it just wasn't exciting it was meh yeah it was meh you can use your odd score system it was meh digimon was meh pokemon was good okay so that means that the score is 17 15 to pokemon Join us again next time where we'll be watching episode 33. The Flame Pokemonathon and Out on the Town. The Flame Pokemonathon. It's better than the Ninja Poker Showdown. Is it though? I mean, the Flame Pokemarathon sounds better. And also, it doesn't cut out half of the important word, which is marathon. It doesn't just add the word Pokey in there for no reason. The Ninja Showdown, or that's the Ninja Poker Showdown. Digimon adds Digi to things, so I'm okay with Pokemon adding Pokey. But actually replacing half of the word with Pokemon. It's a Pokemonathon, which is like an event. I've no idea what a Pokemonathon is supposed to be. We'll find out next episode, won't we? You can listen to more of us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, where we like getting reviews and comments. And you can message us via our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, with the wall thread, and email, which are all linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Butterfree. Primate. <laughs> Let's see what's on the Twitters. Oh my god. That is that is scary. Please stop. <laughs> my friend Mike, who we mentioned in the uh, bloopers last episode, <laughs> who I work with, we do that all the time. Just do evil gremlin voice. We do voice. evil cockney child demon voice. Oh my god. Anyone listening into those conversations must be terrified. I've got some Lego Star Wars here. I'm playing with some Lego Star Wars. <laughs> I don't please even stop. like Lego Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Just please stop. <laughs> it's what you call nightmare fuel. It is, especially when it's just audio, so I can picture whatever hideous face I want to. Oh, I always go first with these. I can't. I can't. I can't. You can. There's so many words there, Stevie. There's like at least 19 of them. Then write less words. I have. I've really tried this time. I've got three paragraphs, considering naff all happens in this episode. My Otis mom would have starved, because there's no humans in the real world for him to drink from. There's no humans in the real world? <laughs> there's no humans in the digital world for him to drink from. Ah, uh, I slipped up there.
I think it's because Gatoman's been more Gatoman. Gatoman. The Gatoman has been more competent than the Devi Deviman. Devi Deviman. Demi Deviman. <laughs> Demi Lovato has not been as competent as the cake. Can we actually call him Demi Lovato man? Do you get, do you get that joke? Yeah, because it's gato, which yeah. is French for cake. Yeah, so Demi Lovato has not been as good as the cake. Okay, so are we sticking with Demi Lovato man and cake man? No, because that's too weird. Oh, can we, can we call this episode Cake Man Comes Calling? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. Good. I'm back. We're not doing the entire song there. You can stop anytime you want. Anytime you want to stop. Oh, that was painful. You ready to continue? Yeah, I'll carry on. Oh, wait, you meant continue the podcast. Yes, I did. Okay, okay. I'm waiting on you.